Chapter Eleven of A Bullet for Cinderella by John D. MacDonald. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. I went directly to police headquarters. I demanded to see Captain Marion. After fifteen minutes, they let me see him. I told him that I thought Ruth's disappearance had something to do with Fitzmartin. He looked older and tireder. He nodded without surprise. He said, she knew George pretty well. Maybe she remembered something George said about Fitzmartin, so she tried to check it out by herself. Maybe she'd think she was the only one who'd guess. I've thought of that, Howard. I don't like it. I've got a crew out there searching the yard. I thought of something else, too. Maybe Grassman guessed. Maybe that's why something happened to him. Thanks for coming in, Howard. I added it up about a half hour ago. I don't like the total. Can I help in any way? You look like hell. You'd better try to get some sleep. I don't think I'll be able to sleep. I drove back out to the motel. It no longer seemed important about meeting Antoinette in the morning. It didn't matter any more. I had come to Hilston to find treasure. I had thought I would find it buried in the ground. I had found it walking around with dark red hair, with gray eyes, with a look of pride. And I hadn't recognized it. I had acted like a fool. I had tried to play the role of thief, but it didn't fit. It never would fit. The money meant nothing. Bruth meant everything. I had a chance, and I had lost it. They don't give you two chances. I parked in front of my motel room. The office was dark, the no-vacancy sign lighted. Cars sat in the light of an uneasy moon, and the travelers slept. I unlocked the door with my key and stepped inside, reaching for the light switch. Something came out of the darkness and slammed against my jaw. Pain blossomed red behind my ears. A skyrocket roaring was in my ears, and I felt myself fall into nothingness. I came to in a brightly lighted place. I opened my eyes and saw nothing but the white glare and closed them quickly. The white glare hurt. My hands were behind me, fastened there somehow. I was in an awkward position. Something soft filled my mouth, holding it open. I opened my eyes again, squinting. I saw that I was in the small tile bathroom of the motel. The door was closed. I lay on my side on the floor. Earl Fitzmartin sat on the side of the tub. He wore khakis. He looked at me with those eyes like smoke. His pale, colorless hair was tousled. I could sense at once that he had gone beyond the vague borderline of sanity. It was like being in a cage with an animal. He stood up, closed the lid on the toilet, bent over me, picked me up with disconcerting ease, and sat me on the closed lid, holding me for a moment till he was certain I wouldn't topple over. He sat on the rim of the tub again, facing me. We aren't going to talk over a whisper, Tal. We aren't going to make any sudden noises. If we make any sudden noises, I'm going to snap your neck with my hands. It wouldn't be hard to do. Nod your head if you're going to be quiet. I nodded. He took a knife out of his pocket, opened the blade, and leaned toward me. He put the cold steel against my cheek, holding it there, smiling in an odd way, then yanked it toward him cutting the strip of sheeting that held the dry washcloth in my mouth. I pushed the washcloth out with my tongue, and it fell to the floor at my feet. "'Where's Ruth?' 
That was just a little bit too loud. Not much too loud, just a little bit. So soften it up, Tal. Ruth is all right. Thank God. Not God. Me. I had the idea. Not God. She was on the ground, on her face, out like a light. I took hold of that wonderful hair in my left hand, and I pulled her head up. I held this little knife against her throat. It's sharp enough to shave with. I was about to pull it through her throat when I suddenly began to wonder if she might be worth something. So I didn't do it. She's all right. Don't thank God. Thank Earl Fitzmartin. She isn't comfortable. She isn't happy. But she's still alive, Tal. Where is she? Not over half a mile from here. But you don't know what direction. It's across country. I was trained to fight at night. I move well at night, Tal. I'm good at night. You know how I used to get around the camp. You remember that. She's well tied, Tal. She can't even wriggle. She can't make a sound. You're really worried about her, aren't you? She came to the yard for a little heart-to-heart -heart talk. Did they find the bodies, Tal? They tore up the garage floor. Now they can ask George all about it. But George won't have a word to say. George isn't talking. George didn't have much more left. Just a little equity in the lumber yard. A little stock in the store. Not enough to stay around for. He was good for $47,700. It should have been more. He didn't have to give up. He could have gotten on the ball and started making more. He could have tried to fatten up the kitty. But he was selfish. He would have lived longer. You killed him. That was just a shade too loud, Tal, just a bit too loud. How are you coming with Cindy, Tal? Find her? You took an awful chance killing George. He smiled again. You won't believe this, but I didn't kill him. He started to come too while I was stripping him, but I poured more liquor into him. I read that people drown themselves and shoot themselves and cut their wrists naked. Did you know that? Very interesting. I got him propped on the side of the bed. I got the muzzle with the towel around it between his teeth. The gun was about the only thing holding him up. I wanted the angle to be right, and I wanted to do it when there was a lot of noise on the floor. But I wanted to do it, Tal. You know, you plan a thing and work it out just right. You want to do it. But he opened his eyes. He looked right at me. He looked ridiculous with a gun in his mouth. He looked right at me and put his big toe against the trigger before I could stop him. I don't know if it was an accident. What do you think? I think he did it on purpose. So do I. So do I. It makes me feel a little strange. He maybe did it like a joke. He did that well. He didn't do much else well. He didn't do well marrying that woman, or burying her, either. I thought I'd hit the 60,000 when I dug under the pines, but it turned out to be the woman and the salesman. It disappointed me, Tal. But it turned out to be just like finding money, didn't it? They're all after you now. Do you think that worries me? Now hear this. It doesn't worry me a bit. Maybe you ought to be worried. Where is Grassman? I didn't think you could get out of that. 
You surprised me, little Tal. I thought it would give you the jumps. What did you do with it? I hid the body in a barn, an abandoned barn. And I'll bet you did some sweating. Grassman was smart. He was in my league, Tal, not yours. He added things up. He was a pro. He added things up and came after the money. He knew I had to have it around somewhere. He knew I was too smart to spend it. I caught him looking for it. We had a little talk. He got rough. I got mad and hit him too hard. That made it awkward. I put him in the back end of my car. I didn't know where to dump him. I was thinking of an alley, so they'd think he'd been mugged. But I found your car by accident. It saved me a lot of time. After I killed Grassman, I knew I had to get George out of the way. He was the only one who could tie me to Grassman. It took some planning and some luck. I won't have time to work on the Cindy angle. How are you coming? I could see the shape of it. George could tie him to Grassman, and George was dead. I could tie him to both of them. It was only through his greed that I could buy time, buy my life. I found her. He waited ten seconds. He said, A hundred and seven thousand sounds better than forty-seven. I think I'd better have that much before I take off, Tal. They're going to get you. I don't think so. I don't figure it that way. They might have got me if I'd cut her throat. I wanted to, but I didn't let myself. They would have hunted me too hard. Now you can trade information for her, Tal. If she doesn't mean anything to you, too bad. I can kill you right here and go and kill her and be on my way and be careful and take my chances. I couldn't leave you here telling them about George and Grassman and then finding my 60,000. I'd rather nobody found it. Somebody's going to find it anyway. The girl is going to find it. She knows where it is. Where is it, Tal? She wouldn't tell me. I told her too much. I couldn't find out any other way. She's more in your league, Fitz. I'm picking her up tomorrow morning in Reading at ten o'clock. She's going to go with me to where the money is hidden. He smiled in that wild, unpleasant way. You're kidding the troops, boy. You're stalling. I scared you, and you're making things up. You're just smart enough to know that if you are going to get it tomorrow, and yet you don't know where it is, I've got to leave you alive. You're that smart, and that's why you made it up. It's the truth. I don't think it's the truth at all. I think maybe you haven't gotten any place. I think I've stalled around here too long. I think I'd like to hear your neck snap. I can do it so quick you'd hardly know what happened. Maybe you wouldn't know it at all. Wait a minute. Look in the closet in the bedroom. Her luggage is there. For the first time, he looked uncertain. He turned out the bathroom light and went into the next room. He came back with the two suitcases. He shut the door, turned the light on again. He opened them and looked at the clothing. This is pretty good stuff. This belonged to her? What's it doing here? We were going to get the money and go off together. I could see him appraise that and half accept it. But I don't like the idea of letting you go and get it. I can't keep an eye on you. Fitz, listen to me. I don't give a damn about the money. You can have every cent of it after I get it. I'll trade all of it for Ruth Stam. Then see how it will be? You'll have the hundred and seven thousand. They think George was a suicide. Maybe they'll never find Grassman. I covered the body with hay. The barn is about to fall down. Nobody ever goes in there. They won't look as hard for you. You'll be a lot safer. 
You're lying. This is a stall. It's not. I'll prove we were going to go away together when we got the money. Look for the small black box on the bottom of the smaller suitcase under all the clothes. Yes, that's it. Look under the partition. He took the money out. He riffled through it. He folded it once and put it in his shirt pocket. He looked at me for long moments, his eyes dubious. I do not like to think about the next half hour. He put the gag back in my mouth. He had his strong hands, and he had the small, sharp knife, and he had a sadistic knowledge of the nerve ends. From time to time he would stop and wait until I quieted down, then loosen the gag and question me. The pain and humiliation made me weep like a child. Once I fainted. Finally, he was satisfied. He had learned how much I thought of Ruth. He had learned that I knew that we had to go where the money was hidden by boat. He knew that I had guessed we would start from the Rossi house north of town, and he knew that I had no more than that. After that, he cut my hands loose. He was perfectly safe in so doing. I was too enfeebled by pain to be any threat to him. You'll get the money. You'll dig it up. You'll come back here with it. No. He took a quick half-step toward me. I couldn't help flinching. Memory of what he could do was too clear. What do you mean? I mean I don't trust you to do what you promised, Fitz. I've got to know Ruth will be all right. I've got to know she'll be safe, or you don't get the money. I broke you this far. You want to be broken the rest of the way? I don't think you can do it. After a long time, he gave a shrug of disgust. Maybe not. How do you want it worked? I want to see her. I want to see she's alive before I give you the money. It could be by the river. Then if you try to cross me, I'll throw the money in the river. I swear I'll do that. You would, wouldn't you? You're making it rough. I can't risk being seen. I'll see that we start off by boat at one o'clock. I don't know how far we'll have to go or how long it will take. You could bring her to the Rossi house at two. It's a risk. It's isolated. There's no phone there. At least I don't think they have a phone. I'll give you the money, and I'll see that you get a fair start. That's the most I can do. I won't try to make it any safer for you. But you promise a fair start? I promise that. He snapped out the bathroom light. I heard the door open and then heard the outer door open and close. I walked unsteadily through the dark room to the front door. I opened it. The moon was gone. A wind sighed across the flats on the far side of the road. There was no sign that Fitzmartin had ever been here. The night was still. He was very good in the night. I remembered that. There was a first aid kit in the trunk compartment of my car. I got it. The small cuts had not bled very much. I cleaned myself up and bandaged the cuts. I ached all over. I felt sick and weak, as though I were recovering from a long illness. I kept seeing his eyes. His powerful hands had punished nerves and muscles. Even my bones felt bruised and tender. I went to bed. I was certain that Ruth was still alive. I hoped his greed would be stronger than his wish to kill. I hoped his greed would last through the night. But there was something erratic about his thought patterns. There was an incoherency about the way he had talked, jumping from one subject to the next. He had a vast confidence in his own powers. I wondered where he had Ruth. A half mile away? Across country? Maybe she was in his car, and it was parked well off a secondary road. Maybe he had found a deserted shed. As I lay awake, trying to find some position in which I could be comfortable, I heard it begin to rain. 
The rain was light at first, a mere whisper of rain. And then it began to come down. It thundered on the roof. It made a drench of the world, bouncing off the painted metal of the cars, coming down as though all the gates of the skies had been opened. End of chapter 11